all the games I used to play in my younger wilder days. The game of clubs and tees it never crossed my mind. But after some discussion with my closest, dearest friends. Welcome into another episode of the Turn Fancy Golf Podcast. My name is Andrew Putters. As always, I'm with my partner in crime, Joe Nicely. Special guest for a special show, the one and only Nagels Bagels joins us from up north, headed west in the morning. So happy to steal a few moments of his time. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we have some good banter between the three of us. Also, I'm just happy to, to be a part of the biggest bromance and fantasy golf right here with these two guys. I know they've, they've, they've went back and forth on Twitter for years. Happy to get them together on this show, the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast. Probably our fault he hasn't been on already. So, uh, Joe. Nagels, how we doing, guys? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much. Joe? U.S. Open going. Uh, got my boy Bagels here. You're here. Uh, we're headed to Torrey Pines. We're ready to roll, man. I'm pumped for this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rotoballer.com, as always, has special announcements. Added a man onto the team this week. Joe, you want to hit on that just for a second? Yeah, man, really quick. Uh, brought in Andy Lack. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out his podcast, Pick the Pup, um, but he does a great course preview, um, does a does a great betting picks pod. So we hope you'll check out uh, Andy at Pick the Pup. He's doing a tournament preview article for us over at Rotoballer right now. Uh, we've also got our, our regular great content. Spencer Aguiar is breaking down the Vegas report. Josh Bennett does a whole-by-whole course breakdown. You can get my core four. Um, go to rotoballer.com, sign up right now for our PGA premium package. Use promo code NICE, N-I-C-E, and you'll get a discount. So, yeah, rotoballer.com, best place in the world for your daily fantasy needs. So, real quick, guys, before we get into the highlight of the week, Tory Pines um, and all the banter, real quick, Palmetto, Congaree, I, I mean, I'll tell you how much I did not pay attention to this golf tournament. I don't even know the guy's name that won. Yeah, I know he was – is this his first event? Second uh, event. Second. Yeah, second. Yeah, Garrick, second. Garrick Higo. Higo? How do you pronounce that, guys? Higo. Higo. Yeah. Young guy. Young guy. 22-year-old 20, from uh, from South Africa. Gets his PJ card in his second event. Uh, obviously, he's pretty good. I didn't watch a second of it on purpose, so – uh, after, after Thursday's abysmal round and my team's going down the tube, I didn't watch anything. So, uh, if you guys watched it all speak up, if not, we'll go straight on. I know uh, Joe was hitting the Netflix up. Yeah. I, I didn't watch much, man. I didn't watch, watch much. Um, which is kind of a shame. Cause I think it's a really cool golf course. Um, hopefully they, they can figure something out with, with making it a permanent part of the schedule, but you just weren't going to get a turnout man for a kind of a one-off event, uh, the week before the U S open. So it's pretty unfortunate, but a really exciting winner in Garrett Kigo, Andrew, we, we'd actually touched on him, uh, the week of the PGA championship show. He's, he's won three times over in Europe, uh, has won twice over there in, in the past, uh, I think about six weeks. Um, so the kids are truly an amazing talent and, and it's really cool that he's going to you know, be able to play on the PGA tour kind of, uh, any way he wants to. So he's cause he's got a two year exemption now. So, um, kind of a bummer event, but a really cool golf course and a really cool, uh, winner, really excited to, to see him going forward. Yeah. Andrew, I wouldn't uh, beat yourself up too much about not knowing that guy's name. There's actually a couple of names that have been popping up 
you got this Guido guy that people are talking about. You had Wilco and you had the, uh, the guy that won yesterday. So between the three of them, it's hard to keep, uh, it's hard to keep track of all these uh, new names. I put a, I, I did watch a little bit. I put a, little, a late uh, live bet in on Jonathan Vegas. Uh, so I was keeping a, keeping a, an eye on things on the back nine, but naturally he, uh, he bogeyed 17 and took himself right out of it. So that's, that's the way that goes. So yeah, I'm ready to move on whenever you are. Absolutely. So this is uh, before we even started recording, uh, I let the guys know this is probably my favorite golf course I've ever played. We vacationed there a few weeks ago or a few years ago, a few years back and uh, played the South course uh, on that trip. Well, we're not going to go out there and not play it. Obviously uh, La Jolla is a beautiful area. Uh, Nagels, you know more about that area than both of us combined. So uh, let's just hit on the area first, man. Is there, uh, it's just a cool place. 85 degrees all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> California is great. San Diego's even better. Uh, my brother's been living out there for 10 years or so. And I've been out there maybe th three times already. And I'm heading out there tomorrow. And it's just, uh, it's just different when you just, when you walk out of the airport and you're just in the, in the sun and it's not hot, but it's, it's just, but it's cool, but the sun's out and you're not used to it. It's, uh, it's just a different vibe. Yeah. San Diego's good. I had my, I'm looking forward to my California burrito, uh, when I get out there and yeah, it's, uh, it's a, my, my brother has just texted me before saying how he's been hearing people kind of bad mouth and Tori, how it's really not that great of a golf course, but yeah, it's his favorite golf course too. And he played there all the time. And, uh, I, yeah, I played it well uh, when I went uh, a couple of years ago and it's just beautiful, man. That's what, that's what life is all about. Just being out there nice and relaxed. I love, I love California. Yeah. Um, great Mexican food in San Diego, the most underrated Mexican food capital of America, San Diego. Taco Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, Torrey Pines, like you said, South course, it's in La Jolla, California at Torrey Pines state park. Uh, yard setup is 7,600, probably gonna be playing closer to 7,800 this week. Uh, Poana greens, uh, Bermuda, Kakua grass throughout. It's going to be different grasses around the greens. You're going to see some Kakua grass overseed along with ryegrass. They were talking about that today on the golf channel I was watching, and the guys were putting and chipping from just off the green to all different spots because uh, they just really don't are unsure how the grass is going to lay. This is unseasonal times for this tournament. Obviously, they usually play it in February. We're going to get cooler air um, and more fog than normal. Obviously, they're only playing the south course this week, not the north, north course. So naturally, that's going to bring the scores down. One cool thing about this course, it is a state park. It is open to the public. If you're a San Diego uh, citizen or resident, you get a highly discounted rate. It gets about 70,000 rounds per year. Um, the real question I have is, are you going to be on the hang gliders over there? Are you going to be jumping off the side of the mountain uh, and flying around, or are you just going to be watching golf? Oh, hell no. You, no, you cannot. You would not catch me doing that. I'm – I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, uh, adventure seeker or adrenaline junkie or whatever you call it. I'm, you know, I specialize in DFS golf. That that's about as exciting as it gets for me. So no, I won't be jumping out of any planes. That's not, uh, no, that's not for me. Um, Joe, I don't know if you got a chance to look over or not. And, uh, is there going to be any major differences other than it maybe being a few hundred yards longer and obviously the rough being up uh, as far as February, 
And is there any major differences between now now and 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 2008? Whenever uh, Tiger won, beat Rocco in the playoff. <clears throat> well, Tiger ain't going to be there, unfortunately. So that's a kind of a bummer, a difference. But uh, to answer your question, as far as how it's going to play versus the farmers, obviously it's the same golf course, Andrew. Uh, it's going to it's going to play to a par 71 this week. Um, you know, so it's the same golf course we see for the farmers, but just kind of juiced up a little bit. Uh, the USGA is going to put this thing on steroids. Um, you mentioned the Kakuya grass. They've got that grown out. The fairways are going to be fairly tight. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of similar to Wingfoot last year, a little bit wider than that. Uh, you know, average of about 30 yards in width uh, with, with just gnarly rough, man, and, the, and these POA greens that can give guys fits. Um, so we can expect difficult conditions. Uh, I think scoring will be tough. The USGA takes pride in, in kind of putting forth the, the toughest test in golf. So, you know, I think they'll they'll try their best to live up to that reputation this year. So it's going to be Tory, but on steroids is what we're looking at this week. What hole are they going to turn into a par four? Do you all know that? I think the sixth. I think, sixth I think it's the sixth. It's, next, it's going to make it a really long hole. It's, uh, it's going to be real firm and real fast, and that's going to make the difference. might be hard to keep the ball in the fairway, and the rough is going to be – it's going to be really hard to get the ball on the green from the rough – I'm not sure. I still don't know if it's going to play uh, rough-wise, fairway, width-wise, like Wingfoot did last year. That might change some things in terms of my assessment of players. I'm still going to find out about that. But, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I don't know if looking at uh, Farmer's course history, I don't know if that would be the first thing that I look at, to be honest. But that's just me. Yeah. Only for me, I'm only going to be looking a little bit of the farmer's history just to see kind of like uh, are we going to see some of the names that we already like or dislike or maybe maybe just to eliminate some people's I'm thinking, uh, you know. Um, seems like to me, and this is just back in my mind, didn't they bring up like on maybe like Sunday, like make 14 or something, like 360 yards where and it was firm and fast where you could maybe get a go at it or not? Does that seem like it ring a bell at all? Like they had a that is par four on the back nine where they brought the tees up. I I read about that and they're not going to have that this year. That's not going to be. They're not going to have a drivable par four. Yeah, that's kind so of. So that might be what you're talking about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. Anyway, moving on. Uh. So yeah. I guess let's just get right into the, into the DraftKings guys. Uh. The big name that everybody's talking about this week, John Rom passed two tests, ready to go. No love loss on this podcast for John Rom uh, by any of these three people. And I cannot find in the right mind a reason that I want to put this guy in a lineup. I'm sorry. I know he has great course history here. I know it's is now we got this. We have the, the superintendent at Tory is the former superintendent from Jack's course. You know, I know that could just be a coincidence, but um, it seems like he's been there a couple times here. You know, I think he's won here twice. Is that right? And come a second once. So I, I cannot find myself in the right mind to ever put him in a lineup, guys. Joe, you want to go first or you want me to go? Sir, we got John Rom at the top of the salary scale. We got you on our podcast. Please go first. Please go first. What if I told you, Andrew, that he got engaged at this golf course? Would that help would that help change your mind? What does that mean anything to you? What about being a newfound dad and this this tournament ending on Father's Day? Does that do anything for you? What about the the screw job that he got at Memorial and now he's out and he's fired up and 
he really wants to win this. Does that do anything for you? Any of those things hey, change your know, mind? Vince McMahon is not running this tournament or this podcast, okay? And this isn't the WWE, so we ain't looking for feel-good stories. We're looking for Ws, and I just can't find myself putting him – I don't know. hate to say that. He's got a lot of talent. He's young. Uh-huh. He can't do it. Okay. Now, I, I make that argument for different reasons. But it scares me that, like, you don't think there's golf reasons to to want to want to roster him at the top of the at the top of the board here. There's definitely statistical reasons, yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, taking all those those feel goods those storylines out of it, uh, he's got great course history at Torrey Pines. Number one, uh, number two, he is a bulldog. Um, and like I said, also the uh, the superintendent tie in maybe on the course setup maybe possible. I don't know, um, but uh, I, is 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 he that much better than a Jordan Spieth or or a DJ? Is he? No, in- I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't so much better. No, uh, you know, a thousand dollars more than uh, than Brooks Koepka. No, I don't. I agree with that. I think that yeah. is a sound assessment of the yeah. top of the board. Uh, for me, it's personal. Uh, I can't, uh, I, I'm going out there and I planned this trip years ago and there's only one person that can win this tournament that could ruin this trip for me. And if it happens to be John Rahm, then, well, that would just suck. Uh, but from a golf, from a golf perspective, I mean, it's not like he's not long enough off the tee or that he's not good enough around the greens or that he won't be able to handle tough conditions and all those storylines. Yeah. Fit. And, I don't know. It's terrifying to me. I, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that he he could do it. Um, not, it doesn't seem like enough people are picking him. Maybe because he's at the top of the board and he's got the lowest odds and people like value. That might be the reason why. But God damn it! If Xander and Rom were switched, <laughs> then everybody would be picking Rom, and I wouldn't have anything to worry about. But now <laughs> Xander's all the way down there in the nines, and everybody's picking him. It freaking sucks, man. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really saying anything in, uh, impressive here, but I'm I'm scared that he would perform well. But in the in that range, I like I like Brooksy the best. I'll tell you something. It, I'll tell you something before you add in, Joe. Something even scarier to me is you know, I mean, Rory just won a month ago. He plays mm-hmm. this golf course too good. Also, uh, he's thirteen hundred dollars cheaper mm-hmm. i mean uh brooks obviously last week was go ahead and looking forward to this week there's no doubt about that in my mind plus he just got done getting being at you know he had he wanted to go to the logan paul fight at the same time so uh logan paul versus money mayweather fight you know he got spotted down there partying it up i think brooks was ready to come to this tournament not really sold that he's 100 percent yet i'm I'll be honest, guys. I'm not sold out any of this any of this leaderboard until we get to Morikawa. But that's my bit. Joe, fire away, bud. I love it, man. I love it. I love the the John Rom thoughts. Uh, I know Bagels is just kind of kind of warming up for Wednesday night when the when the, <laughs> true, the true Rom thoughts are going to come flying. <laughs> but we're we're going to light the grill a little bit tonight and let it let him really cook on Wednesday night. But uh, Rom's a strong play, guys. Um, when we take all the kind of the, you know the the narrative stuff out of it, Rom's a very strong play. As Andrew mentioned, 
Um, great course history here at Torrey, former winner here. Um, Bagels, as you mentioned, he's excellent off the tee, uh, really solid short game and kind of the one, one of the most uh, underrated aspects of his game, uh, especially when it comes to this week, is his ability on POA greens. Um, he's third in this field in strokes game putting on POA, first and three putt avoidance on POA. Um, so I, I think Rom's an excellent play. What I'm really more concerned about than kind of the narrative stuff uh, or even really the quarantine stuff is going to be his ownership. That's something I'm going to keep an eye on as kind of the week progresses. Um, I know you said you didn't feel like he's super popular, Bagels, but he's he's actually projected to be fairly popular this week. So uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that more really than anything. Um, as you guys mentioned, the top of the board is, is very, very strong. Uh, you're, you're really not going super wrong anywhere up here. Um, DJ showed a little bit of form last week, um, even though this year has been uh, questionable at best for him. Jordan Spieth, we know he's rounding into form. We know that he can make miracles happen uh, in, in these major championship environments. And then Bryson and Brooks, uh, the guys that hate each other, they're both excellent plays this week, in my opinion. Uh, both very, very long off the tee. Um, both very good in major championships. Obviously, Bryson won last year's U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Brooks is a two-time U.S. Open winner. Um, and I think these guys will come to play this week. Uh, really, guys, uh, you know, if we want to draw some comparisons to Wingfoot, we're on, we're on different coasts here. But um, if you look back at, you know, the recent list of U.S. Open winners, um, I think Bryson DeChambeau kind of did the right thing. I think length. Um, is a huge advantage in this golf tournament. The USGA kind of wants to make this tough. Um, they want the rough to be penal. They want the narrow, narrow fairways to be narrow. Um, but I think it plays right into the hands of these long guys. Uh, if everybody's missing fairways, guys, um, I, I want the guy that's going to be closest to the hole. Um, if everybody's in the rough, uh, give me, give me Bryson, give me Brooks, give me, give me John Rahm, give me these bombers. So that's kind of an angle I'm taking, um, more so than on a normal week where, you know, I'm willing to put a, a kind of a backseat on distance. I, I'm really bumping it up this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, if you're not going to start your lineup until Morikawa, you're, you're leaving like six enormous bullets on un, unused. I think that's, that's a very dangerous game you might be playing because there's a lot of a lot of firepower above Morikawa. And just remember, Joe, uh, when Bryson won a Wingfoot, there was one guy that wasn't in that field. And that was uh that was Brooks Kepka. So I think the road to a US Open title this year goes through him. He's only been beaten by one guy in his last three US Opens. And I I don't know. I think that. As much as I'm going to be rooting for somebody else, and does that little I, does that little rivalry play any part in this week? Uh, it might for I think it might for Bryson. I don't think it will for Brooks. Right? You think maybe there's a you know there's some impact that some of the fans start start calling him Brooksy. I mean, you do you think that's going to you know? I think yeah. I think it. I think it's already in his head. I already think it's in Bryson's head. And I don't think I just think Brooks is mentally tougher than Bryson is. I, at least that's the perception I get. And I, I don't think that's a, I don't think Bryson wants any part of that matchup going into the weekend. If they're both up there or anything like that, that would be awesome, but we'll see. I'm really looking. It's going to be great. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun. And, and guys, uh, the one name I don't think any of us have mentioned is Justin Thomas, uh, the guy who won the players and kind of coming into this year was, you know, 
projected to be the top, really the top player in the world, and at times has looked that way. So, uh, any thoughts on JT there? You know, I've been I, I I'm a big JT fan. Uh, he's got the most um, uh, game aggressive game on tour, I think, uh, overall, and that does well for him in a lot of tournaments. Uh, however, some I've been reading about here today is that. He has uh, some kind of issues with when he gets in these tournaments and he needs to do multiple things with his driver. Any golf course that's going to force him to do multiple things with his driver other than grip it and rip it, and what I mean is move the ball each way. Most important statistic for me this this week, guys, is strokes gain off the tee. I will be making uh, – everything will go through that statistic for me, uh, kind of harping already what you said, Joe. And uh, unfortunately, I just uh, – for some reason, uh, and I'm a field player. Uh, in DFS, and I just uh, I'm not feeling the JT, and and literally nobody's talking about him. He's number two player in the world, uh, which is scary. Uh, but uh, that's just my thoughts on that. I you know for me guys, if you listen to me ever, you're always I'm always looking for reasons to not pay people, and that's a reason for me not to play him is the driver issue. Um, just here, strokes get off the off the tee is going to be the most important statistic to go through, in my opinion. And uh, he's not going to cut it for me this week. Yeah, I, well, I think JT's problem the last month or so has been the putter. But I just never, as my, I love Justin Thomas. I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking bad about him, but a U.S. Open setup. I and him. I don't know if that if that's going to be a good match. I don't know if Justin Thomas will ever win a U.S. Open. Uh, if the conditions are really are really tough, if there's ever wind or anything like that, and the way if he is a little wayward with his drive. And he's in the he's playing out of the rough. That could be that. That's I think he can I can get, think he can get blown out to sea, relatively. And we've seen him get unhinged in the last couple of majors too when things start going bad. So I just I'm not like you, Andrew. Yeah, I'm just not feeling Justin Thomas as much as I like him. Maybe not this week. Maybe a nice softer PGA Tour setup he would like. But that's me. I kind of agree, Bagels. I think uh, JT's a, a obviously a great player, but he's kind of the definition, kind of the prototype uh, modern, if you want to use that word, PGA Tour player. Like when conditions are perfect, uh, the golf course is perfect, weather's perfect, when everything's perfect, um, JT can go out there and light it up. But you throw a little wind in there, um, you, you throw some trials and tribulations his way throughout the course of the tournament. Um, maybe he's not going to hang in there like a – like a Brooks would or, you know, like a, like a DJ can. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, well, I think he's super talented. I just don't know that this is the greatest fit for him this week. Um, Andrea, I know you said you like more cow. I always like him too. Obviously the best iron player on the PGA tour, uh, first in this field and strokes gained approach, uh, first in you know, ball striking proximity, you name it. Uh, he's an obviously great iron player. Can put on POA. Um, that's the that's always the concern with Morikawa is the putter in the short game. Um, but but he proved last year at TPC Harding Park that he can put on POA. Um, just kind of needs to get that going. And, and I feel like he's going to be right there in the mix if he puts well. Um, but that's a big ask for him. Uh, it's something that he definitely struggles with. Not the longest guy, um, but is a good overall driver of the ball. And then uh, Bagels, you want to take this uh, this next guy on the board? Yeah, uh, yeah, this guy Xander Shashafali. Yeah, I think is well, how, how you pronounce it. My, my, horse, my horse this week, by the way, buddy. 
I saw that. I told you. I don't know how I felt about that. I but um, I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. If anybody doesn't know, I'm an enormous uh, Xander Shoffley fan. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing Xander. I, I haven't really been playing him much this year. Maybe that's why I'm having a terrible season. I'm trying you really, to. You really haven't been playing him much this year. No, I haven't. I've been trying to leave him alone. So, because yeah. I, I feel like I've put, I put a hex on him. And so I'm trying to try to keep my, keep that Nagel stink off of him. He, uh, you know, this is a, it's a total hard play for me. I'm going out there. I'm going to be there. It's, <laughs> you know, obviously it's his hometown event and everything else. And I'm, I'm, I'm convincing myself that these last two and a half years where he hasn't won a tournament has all been a buildup for, uh, for this moment when we're there together <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know i don't know i might be reaching i'm trying to make the stars aligned there's a whole thing going on with my grandmother and i'm going to talk about that more on wednesday night i promise but i think it's time guys i do i think it's time i can't stand the fact that everybody's picking them i thought maybe missing the cut at the pga would gets people off his back a little bit because when he missed a cut at the players, everybody was kind of off him at the masters. And we, we all know how that turned out. He was, at least he was in the mix when nobody was picking him. And now everybody's picking him. And, but you can't argue with his record in the U S open four straight top sixes. Nobody's done that since Bobby freaking Jones. So it's be an idiot to fade Xander this week, but we're all idiots and everybody's playing them. So I, I have a bad feeling about that. This could go either way. This could be either epic or it could be an epic disaster. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to find out. So the destiny of the, the results of this tournament kind of is, is going to play out, is going to determine how the rest of my year goes, I think. It's either going to be a great year and things are going great or I'm just perpetually up against it all the time. I can't have nice things. We're gonna find out. <laughs> give me, um, give me your thoughts, Bagel. I, I don't think he was ever, ever not gonna be, uh, not popular this week. Uh, just the the U.S. Open track record's too good. Um, obviously the ties to Tory, and he, he's shown a lot of form, uh, even though he missed the cut at the PGA. But tell me your thoughts, uh, which I don't want. I don't want to jump on your toes uh, as far as anything you're covering Wednesday night. But give me your thoughts on the course history. Um, he he grew up playing here at Tory. Mm-hmm. Um, hometown kid played his high school golf here. Um, very familiar with the golf course so on paper. Everything should fit perfectly. Um, but, but up until a, a runner up this year, it really hadn't been there for him. What, what are your thoughts on that? All right. Well, two, the first two starts of his career, one was as a corn Ferry tour rookie as a, as a sponsor exemption. It was his like fourth or fifth career start, uh, as a pro. Then he missed the cut. And then when he went the following year, I wrote this down earlier. I don't know if I still have the first, the first year he played it, he was ranked 1719th in the world when he missed the cut in 2016 on a sponsored exemption. And 2017, he was a rookie. He had just gotten his tour card. He was 300 ranked 301st in the world, missed the cut. That's not exactly the Xander Shoffley that we, that we know. 2018, uh, he missed the cut. He was ranked 25th in the world. He missed the cut on the number. So it's not like he was horrendous there. He missed the cut by a shot. 2019, T25. That was respectable. He was, 
He had already won a couple of times on tour. That was finally, finally made a cut. That was his goal that year. 2020, missed the cut on the number again. Missed a five-foot putt on the south, on the north course, on 17, a bar three. He knocked it stiff from like 235, and then missed a five-foot putt. And he missed the cut on the number. So two starts as basically a rookie when he was a nobody. And two starts, he missed the cut on the number. So those, what, four missed cuts? It's very misleading. And he's got a second and a 25th. So I never bought into the, he doesn't like the golf course or it doesn't fit him. That's all nonsense. He just missed the cut on the number twice. It happens. I'm not throwing anything out because of that. Or I, I never, I never did. So right. that's my thoughts on his course history. Yeah, I knew there were some things there I'd, I'd heard you touch on in the past, so I'm, I'm glad you kind of dove into that. Um, and, and congrats, man! You just, you just raised his ownership. Everybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, uh, that's what I'm here for. Hey, you ready yeah. for me to boil some water on this topic? Okay. Yeah, go ahead, please. <clears throat> so I'm gonna say something highly controversial here on this subject. You know, DFS, we're looking for winnability. Not saying he doesn't have win equity, but there's an argument to be made statistically that you should play Phil Mickelson over Xander Shoffley in this tournament. Totally different price point, totally different. Guy just won the PJ Championship. He's won three times on this golf course. He loves this golf course. Uh, grew up playing here as a native. Now, obviously, Phil has not uh, done anything. He has not done anything successfully in the in the regular tour event since the remodel. However, I think that's an interesting conversation to have. Phil Mickelson, 50 years old. There's another feel-good story, local guy, San Diego Padres uh, uh, owner, Phil Mickelson. Could he go back-to-back and major-major? Oh, come on. <laughs> is, that almost like, is that a serious question? <laughs> hey, I mean, we're talking about winnability here. Uh, I mean, just those three, piece. those three wins he had was all before the renovation that they had. And ever since That's then, great. he hasn't, his finishes here haven't been great. Yeah. Uh, come on. I mean, but I mean, Phil's, you can play both of them. I mean, Phil's 7,700. I mean, I don't know why you don't think you could play both. You throw Charlie Hoffman in there and just build an all San Diego team. Why yeah, not? Andrew's got a rule. He only plays one San Diego guy per lineup. Yeah. Oh. So I didn't know there was a cap on that. Yeah, yeah it comes, now, comes I, down to you can only pick one or the other. In all, in all seriousness, guys, you know, as, as strong and stout as the as what we would call captains or the A players are, JT up, you look at more coward down over the next 10, equally as strong. Um, not necessarily, I'm not talking about A player or, 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 or um, you know, world number one, but you look at these guys from 95 to 84, I mean – Pick your poison. They're all studs. Um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Webb Simpson don't fit in. Uh, you know, I don't know if Burger's ever had any success on this course. But Zalatoris has success at a young age. We know Sheffler's got some game. Phenol's had great success on this tournament. Patrick Reed somehow won by five shots this past year after he cheated. Cantlay, uh, this golf course really sits up perfect for him. Hovland, Xander, Morikawa, all those guys are studs in reality. Uh, we got, are we playing two guys from the, 
from one guy from the A group and, and, and one guy from the B group? Is that kind of how we, we got to be looking at lineups? Or are we trying to throw three guys from the B group in here? How we, what are we looking at this week? Yeah, Joe, I mean, you go first. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely an option, Andrew. And and like you mentioned, I think there's some really heavy hitters. And the, the, we might be talking about the winner in this range. Um, you know, when you talk about more cow down to, uh, you know, a, a low weight guy. Um, and you talked about skipping the top at the top and I know bagels didn't sound too crazy about that idea, but you know, I think if you do want to go that route, um, it's to try to maybe squeeze three of these guys in from this range. Um, everybody was on Victor Hovland leading up to the PGA, super popular. Everybody was betting him. Uh, ownership was up there and he kind of had one great round and kind of fizzled out, but it doesn't feel like he's getting that kind of steam this week, but I'm very comfortable going right back to Victor. He's played extremely well and, and just two U S open starts. One of them as an amateur, uh, I think he's got two top 13s and two U S open starts. We know that he can handle tough golf courses. Um, had a runner up here back in February at the farmers. So, you know, if you're looking at, at pivoting off a very popular Xander Shoffley, you might, might want to consider Victor Hovland there. Same can be said for Cantlay. Um, had an uneven year, but certainly finding his form with a controversial win at the Memorial. Um, still played well there. So, you know, can't hold that against him. And then Reed, uh, you mentioned, man, I'm willing to just always throw the stats out the window with that dude. He won here earlier this year, has never finished outside the top 25 at, at Torrey Pines in any appearance. So, you know, he's, we know he's got a magical short game. Um, so you can't ever count Pratchett Creed out of a big event. Tony Finau gets all the crap about never winning, but the guy in 20 career major championship starts has 10 top 10s. Um, so half the time the guy's fin finishing in the top 10s in majors, and he's been a beast at Torrey. Uh, his, his course history here is amazing. And then you got Udecki, a guy that just ball strikes the the heck out of the ball, uh, and nobody's talking about him. Won the Masters. So, yeah, man, I, I love this group. I love Will, Will Zalatoris. I love his length. Um, as I mentioned, I think that's going to be a huge factor this week. Um, he's as long as pretty much any of these guys off the tee. Um, kind of shown his medal in major championships. We know what he did at the Masters know what he did last year at Wingfoot, had a top 10 at Kiowa. Um, so, yeah, man, I think you can just load up on these guys in this range if you want to skip the top. Um, what do you think of below Xander, Bagels? Who, who are you locking in here? I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys, you basically, you touched on everybody. I will, I will say this about Webb Simpson, who I think is going to go totally ignored because everyone's going to be playing bombers and Webb doesn't fit that narrative. At Webb's, Webb's record in majors, not just the U.S. Open, and he's won a U.S. Open in California, by the way. Uh, his record in majors, even on golf courses that don't suit him, he's still he seems still good for a top 20 type finish. And if you're playing cash games but you want a low-owned guy, separate yourself, I think Webb might be very interesting. Uh, yeah, I love Hideki. I had him at the Masters, and that worked out for me. Uh, it took this thing off of the water ball on 16 by Xander. Uh, made that go down a little bit easier. I know people like Patrick Reed. I like Reed, too. I like Finau. Oh, again, another guy's record. You touched on it, Joe. His record in majors is outstanding. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. If you wanted to build with multiple options from this range and hope to get lucky, and then maybe some of the guys at the top, get uh don't don't play so well but i think that uh you don't want to get too cute though 
because we saw at the PGA Championship, a lot of the top guys didn't come through when we had, you know, Louie and Phil and only Brooks was the only quote, super elite. And even at the time, Brooks wasn't priced that way. Yeah, no, no. Uh, so maybe your favorite people are thinking the same thing, but I don't think, I thought the golf course, I thought that ocean course dictated that that might happen. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think you are going to need to have a guy at the top. Those guys are scary up there. You can't fade all of them. One or two of them is going to come through. You just got to pick the right one. Maybe you, and then you got to try to pick one of these guys in the nines or the eights. That's what I think is in terms of roster construction, what type of uh, contest you're in. But I mean, when you're talking about anybody from 8,500 and up, yeah, these are all the, these are the top 20 players in the world. So yeah, they're all good and you can make a case for all. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. And kind of my thoughts on, you know, paying up, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a strong take against it or for it. I kind of let the slight dick take that, but anytime I'm paying 10 K or up, it's a guy that I, I strongly feel like has a great chance to win the golf tournament. So, you know, that's kind of my, kind of my thoughts when anytime I'm going 10 K and up. Um, so, you know, if you're rostering a guy up here, you, you better believe he's, he, he's got a great chance to win, uh, if you're paying up this week. Um, but yeah, man, I agree with you. I think, I think this range is pretty loaded. Um, all these guys are really talented. I agree. Like you said, uh, I mean, it is the U S open. You are seeing the top 20, 25 guys in the world here at the top. Um, you know, move, moving on from that range, guys, sliding on down, this is where we're going to get a little bit more dicey, say Terrell Hatton and down. I've got my eyes on a few guys. There's there's some vets in there you, uh, you're going to have to take a look at, like a Paul Casey, as much as I even hate to say that name out loud, you're going to have to take a look at it. Um, but what really interests me down, some people that I love to fade, Abe Answer who completely screwed me over in the PGA with his 65 on Sunday in the early AM, Sun JM. A uh, couple names, though, that I do want to hit on here in the mid-sevens. Uh, uh, Joaquin Neenum, Woodland, Kokrak. Uh, I think those guys are going to be pretty high-owned, um, mainly Woodland just from uh, – he, he's going to be kind of all over the place for a GPP play. But definitely, this is a turn um, – a turn play here, a turn fancy golf podcast play is the co-crack Needham combo. Uh, Joe, you start with those two and, uh, and then throw a little, some thoughts on the rest of those rest of those guys in that area. Yeah, man. Co-crack and Neiman, and that's like, uh, it's like cake and ice cream at a birthday party, buddy. You just got to put them together. Um, <laughs> but there at the, uh, kind of the eight K range, man, you touched on, uh, a couple of vets there and I'm, I'm actually really interested in a couple of vets there. Louie, um, Lou used hazing at 8,100. I mean, guys, are we getting to the point where we, we just auto play Louie in the majors? Um, the, the guy just continues to do it. It's played really well this year. Uh, hung tough at the PGA. I mean, yeah, you can argue the, the never winning thing, kind of like Tony Finau, but, um, Louie's major championship record is except exceptional. Uh, same can be said for Justin Rose, former U S open winner, and he's won the farmers. Um, so we know there's some, there's some love for Tory there with Rose. Um, you know, he's been all over the board up and down. Definitely not a guy I would want to, you know, kind of rely on, but you know, certainly has some upside as, as we saw at the masters and the PGA where he logged top 10. So, I mean, I think you can look there at those two. Corey Connors has been on my radar all year. A guy I just absolutely love to play. Um, you can't go wrong with the ball striker, but the short game's a concern kind of in this, in this venue. 
uh, with what we're looking at. And then Casey's another one of those vets that you can consider. Um, I'll go all the way down to the mid sevens. Um, I'm not sure what his popularity is going to be, but he's a guy that, um, you know, after spending a lot of time yesterday and today, really interested in Shane Lowry, um, former major winner, got that major championship pedigree, sneaky good course history at Torrey, um, has played really well in U.S. Opens. Um, so I find myself liking Shane Lowry a little bit more than I expected. Um, you know, maybe even more than a co-cracker Neiman who might carry more ownership. Um, Bagels, what are you thinking down there as we work our way into the sevens, man? You got any love for, for my guy, Shane Lowry? You know, I've been playing Shane Lowry like crazy, especially at all. The, I played him at Wingfoot last year and all that. I played him at the uh, ocean course and yeah, he's been playing, he's been playing great. And now people are starting to talk about him and, He's he's been good. I can't deny that he's been good, and he's gonna might be in play for the Open Championship. But I just uh, one of the things I looked at when I was when I when I'm building for a major, oh, I'm building a lineup for a major. Is I, I look at you know how these players perform in majors, and yeah, Louis Eustazen does have a great record, uh, and so does Justin Rose. And I was trying to decide between. Be trying to trying to decide between those two. And I think with Louie, he's usually much better when he's a 6% owned Louie Eustazen as opposed to a 13% owned. Now, I said that the night before the PGA Championship, and he ended up being, you know, finishing second. So I don't know how many times you can go back to that Louie well. I've never really trusted him. He's always been one of those guys that, that burns me. So um, I got some gluey scar tissue there. So I'm not sure about that. Yes, uh, I, I like Paul Casey, of course. Uh, but you were talking about uh, Shane Lowry, and you're talking about major pedigree and guy that's been around a little while. I think I might go back to Adam Scott down there at 7,400. He's a major winner himself. I wanted to see something out of him at the Memorial, and I thought he was going to play well there. Now, he killed me at the PGA. His first tee shot, he hit into the water, triple bogey the first hole, and it was I didn't even get out of my car to get to work yet, and my tournament was over on yeah. Thursday morning. And But I think that this is going to be a real comfortable spot for Adam Scott. I like the fact that he had a top 20, and he's he hadn't been playing it a lot of golf, and I think now I think that might be a good play right there. So those are that's kind of like where I'm looking. A lot of it's going to depend on ownership. Kokrak and Neiman, I played both those guys at the Masters, and that didn't work out great for me uh i like those guys on bent grass greens i don't know how they're going to do putting on these these polar greens but that's just that's just my opinion i'm happy to hear that they'll be highly owned they'll leave up some ownership for the guys that i like all right yeah, yeah I, I hear you on adam scott man he's kind of one of those guys you mentioned webb simpson earlier bagels uh adam scott's kind of one of those guys that i'd never feel bad about rostering i mean i'm you know you always feel pretty confident when you put a web simpson in there uh you always feel pretty confident when you put an adam scott in there you maybe don't feel that they're going to win the tournament but you feel like you know there's you, you know there's there's a great chance there's a top 25 coming um mm -hmm. so you know if if, if scott's ownership is going to be lower down there certainly don't hate that as a pivot um it doesn't feel like um the, the last few majors we did i know the master sticks out with jordan spieth and uh, the PGA sticks out with Victor Hovland, but it doesn't really feel like there's a, a far and away very, very popular player this week. Um, it feels like there's a lot of like kind of mid-range ownership. Um, you know, nobody's projected super high that I've seen. 
it doesn't feel like you know we we can always talk about rom and xander those guys are kind of hot button players as are as are bryson and brooks but i don't really think their ownership's getting out of hand like a like a 30 percent spieth or, or hovland that we've that we've seen in the first couple of majors this year does does that feel do you feel that way too bagels uh i'm biased man i i i see and hear everything especially if it's xander related people tag me and they let me know and people make ah it's a nightmare so is there somebody that's far and away like the guy that everybody's picking no you might not i don't think so i think you might be right about that because i've seen a lot of different names i'm somebody that usually stays away from that quote nancy in the county pick and you might be into that uh, at the masters there was a i think it was a 7700 paul casey you know at the masters that was like Mm -hmm. uh 30 plus percent that I think that Corey Connors was 6,900 at the masters. Um, and it just doesn't feel like there are those kind of pockets throughout the salary scale that, that are going to be hugely popular, which is kind of, kind of tough in a way because you, you know, you can gain a lot of leverage by pivoting off those guys. I know, I know you like to kind of go against the grain a little bit. So, uh, just want to get your thoughts on it, on who you thought was maybe just going to be super popular, but it just doesn't feel like that guy's out there this week. Well, I mean, it might be a it might be a Patrick Reed at nine thousand or a, a, I don't know Zalatoris at eighty six. I think it's too early in the week to. I haven't really. This is you know this is the first podcast that I've listened to, and I'm on it. So yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't know what's uh, I don't know what everybody I don't know what everybody's doing. Yeah, uh, I, I know who I know who I like, and yeah. I haven't heard the same name mentioned so many times where it's going to make me change where I'm going to go. So yeah. Yeah. Just, just feel like there's a, feels like there's a lot of like 15 to 20% guys out there, you know, kind of just set pick the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. Who you like going on down bagels? Uh, you, you like anybody down kind of that mid seven down to uh, low sevens, high sixes. Who's sticking out to you down there? You got Garrett Kigo, uh, Harris I, English. I feel like some people are going to get on. How far down are we going? What's the what's the price range? Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say from there on down to seven K it gets dicey fast. Dicey fast after seven K. Yeah, there's only a couple of guys that I would consider under seven thousand. Uh I don't know what the buzz is on Charlie Hoffman this week. I was uh I like Matt Wallace, but I, I think I like Charlie Hoffman a little bit more. I think he's got a little bit more uh uh length off the tee i think he's might be a better might be in a better mental headspace for u.s open charlie hoffman has a great U, uh, u.s open record he just hasn't been in the u.s open in a couple of years and he is a san diego guy and he's close with you know xander and phil and i haven't heard anybody mention charlie hoffman and he was a chalky pick all through texas and even in we're going through the recently some of the tournaments and he bombed out at memorial and now it seems that nobody's uh he doesn't seem to be very popular and i don't know why or maybe i'm wrong i just haven't seen it but i think the, i think it was the 78 on saturday at the memorial that broke my heart on him well um, good then nobody should play him yeah. i love troy hoffman if that's the case that's probably that's probably because i think he was probably pretty chalky that week and uh that saturday round got a lot of people though He's been playing. He's been playing great. He's back in the U.S. Open. He obviously knows the course. I think. I think if he's low owned, I think that's a steal. Yeah, in my he's, opinion. 
he's been one of the most underrated iron players uh, on the PGA. Yeah, he's like sixth in strokes gain approach. Yeah, yeah, he's fourth in strokes gain approach, uh, seventeenth in strokes gain off the tee. I'm talking the last twenty four rounds. Uh, you know, always grinds these majors well. We've seen him pop up several times as a, as a first round leader. Uh, things like that. You mentioned he's got a really solid U.S. Open record and a solid Tory record. So can definitely get behind some Charlie Hoffman, especially um, if he's not going to be as popular as we, we've been seeing him be. Uh, Matt Wallace is a guy you mentioned. I, I really like Bagels. Got enough length off the tee. We know that he can grind uh, on tough courses. And Ron Palmer, um, not great form. Uh, not talking about a guy that can win, but if we're looking at a guy with upside, um, very good record at Tory. Uh, and, and we know he's just one of those guys, really volatile, but he's one of those guys that can pop up for a random, you know, T6 uh, at 7,100. Uh, who are you locking down there, Andrew? Anybody you're, you're all in on? Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to always mention if it's if it's a difficult golf course, plus recent form has been pretty decent. Stuart Sink, um, he's a grinder, puts it good, hits it straight. I don't think he has any win equity. Same thing with Palmer. Uh, Palmer great course history at Torrey for whatever reason uh and actual total driving is pretty good even though he doesn't hit the ball far name that i do want to throw out there that might catch some people and might people might think of but he needs to be in full-blown fade mode and that's carlos ortiz uh i think he's a, got a great future ahead of him uh but his total driving numbers are really really bad even though he played pretty good uh at at Torrey in in february um but getting down past 7K or really past, uh, um, I, I mean, obviously I do like Hoffman's game. Uh, that's why I liked him at Memorial. Uh, I think you have some players that overlap in Memorial in here. A name that I hate to say a lot because every time I ever look at him, he plays awful. And every time I don't, he finishes top three. And that's Charles Schwartzel. Never figure that guy out. Never figure him out. Past that, uh, Dicey Quick. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really have anybody that would be a hard lean to other than, um, you know, maybe a Chez Reeve plays hard golf courses pretty decently, zero win equity there. Johnny Vegas hits the ball far and straight, um, like him after that guys, I don't have much to say, uh, even though there's a bunch of vets down here, I don't have much to say about many players. I will have to throw in uh first professional tournament professional tournament debut at Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, David, uh, uh, David Shore is playing out of Holston Hills Country Club, uh, turned pro a couple weeks ago, qualified for the U.S. Open in Atlanta. So, uh, right. after that, the SIG guy off the Corn Ferry Tour that won in Knoxville, I think he he might be uh, – he surpassed, I think, Zalatoris as the points leader or he's second or third, Grayson SIG. He's got some game. Don't know if it's U.S. Open ability – or not other than that i don't have much to say guys like i said maybe a jimmy walker you know could throw him in a little bit brandon still a little bit other than that you better get your you better get your guns in there by 7100 is all i can say <laughs> well yeah. you cut out you caught you touched on one name there i think brent i think brendan Steele might be playable you know he had that success in the at the the silverado and the safeway open out there in california so the the length is not going to bother him. I think he might be playable. Uh, just uh, real fast, you mentioned Charles that you're worried about. I like another South African up there. I think I think Brandon Grace might be a play. Uh, just 
just throwing it out there. If you're going to go the South African great, route, great driver but, of the golf ball, great yeah, driver of the golf. Ball. I, I think that that might be a good play. And uh, but under under seven thousand, uh, Rafa Cabrera I know that he might have hurt some people uh, last week, but he had just qualified for the U.S. Open, and maybe his maybe his heart wasn't in into the Palmetto Championship the week before Tory, and he just wanted to get out there. Uh, if it's going to require a lot of long irons, that's kind of his game. RCB, I famously played well at Bay Hill, which is a long golf course, so I'm not worried about that. And I took a look at, uh, uh, what's his name, Bernd Wiesberger a little bit as a, a possible flyer option. But, yeah, there's not a lot under 7,000 that I love, which makes it hard to stack a lot of guys up at the top, and you might have to, it might force you to go more balanced. I'm not somebody that plays a whole lot of lineups, so I don't like to take those chances unless there's somebody under 7,000 that I really like. But so I'm not, I'm probably not going to be down here. I like enough guys in the sevens that I'll be able to build that way. So that's my thoughts on that. You're up, Joe. Yeah, man. I'm, I'll talk about a couple more South Africans, guys. Gary Kigo, a kid that won last week, uh, won three times on the Euro Tour over the past year. Um, you know, I know it's a big ask to uh, to roll out to the U.S. Open at, at Torrey Pines South, 22 years old, and and be expected to play well, especially coming off a win. But, man, I mean, he, what's the kid got to do? Uh, he, he's extremely talented, very long off the tee. So, you know, at 7,200, I'm willing to give him a look. And GPP, he's not, not, not going to build my lineup around him, but, you know, definitely a, a, a real talent. Then my guy, Wilco Nienauber. 6,900. The guy's longer than Bryson DeChambeau. Hits 400-yard drives. We're looking for length this week. Um, you know, you know, he's rough around the edges. Uh, not not usually a great fit for the U.S. Open, but, you know, power's a great equalizer. So, uh, he, he's a guy we might want to look at, just have a little fun with in GPPs or something uh, there at 6,900. I'm going to say his name again, Wilco Nienauber, just because I like to say it. Um, I think you mentioned him earlier, Maple. Uh, Magels, uh Guido Migliacci, uh, one of the great Italian names you'll ever hear. Maybe the most Italian name ever. Uh, he's a talented young guy playing on the Euro Tour, but I'm with you guys. As you get down below the sevens, um, you're, you're either looking for vets uh, or kind of these unproven guys, guys that have qualified, guys that are playing on the KFT Tour. Uh, EVR sticks out a little bit down there at 6,700, even though I think he's kind of he, he's broken a lot of hearts across the PGA DFS industry. Um, but he has played well in some U.S. Open. So, you you know, you give a look to EVR. Uh, Justin Suss, a talented player. Andrew mentioned Grayson Sig, um, a guy that I think we're, we're really going to be seeing a lot of on the PGA Tour in the, in the coming years. He's a really, really talented kid out of the University of Georgia. Uh, and, and I don't think this tournament is, uh, you know, too big for him. There at 6,600, I, I, don't, I don't mind grabbing some exposure to Grayson Sigs. Uh, Dylan Wu's another player. He's a California kid. Uh, really good on the KFT tour. Um, so, you know, as, you, as you're going down through there, I'm with you guys. Won't be dipping down here much, uh, but there's certainly some talent uh, when, when we get down into these guys. But it, but it all feels like uh, talent, you're, talent you're really gambling on. All right. So, Higo, Wilco, and Guido. Uh, yeah. what are we doing i mean it sounds like a scorsese movie don't it yeah, what are we doing here what is going on uh, uh well i'm gonna say one more thing about the knoxville kid david shore four years ago he was a freshman to alabama carried alabama through the finals and the match play 
you know, almost led them to a national championship as a freshman at the University of Alabama against, I think it was Oklahoma State. Uh, battled injuries over the last few years. Said turn pro a few weeks ago, qualified as a medalist in Atlanta. He's going to be around. If he can get this injury thing, he's going to be around uh, for a long time. Kid's got a lot of game. Probably uh, he was ranked number two junior in the world when he signed at Alabama. Um, you know, um, and so uh, he's got a lot of talent, a lot, lot of, you know, just 22 years old, 21 years old. Not saying he's going to be there this week, but just watch out for that name, Davis Shore, University of Alabama graduate. There you go. Uh, closing out, I know Nagels has got – he's got all kinds of things he's got to hit on before he hits the road. So, we got to hit out with our usual uh, ending, and that is the uh, where's your – what's your dart and where's your heart at this week? Joe, uh, let's let Nagels go first since he's our guest. Uh, first off, where where's your heart at and where what, what, what kind of dart are you throwing at the board? Well, you guys know where my heart is at. I mean, <laughs> let's not uh, – let's not pull any punches. My heart is Xander Shoffley. That is my heart. Uh, unless I unless I got the definitions of what, what a heart play is or what a dart play is. Are there any parameters I need to know about here? No parameters. No parameters. Uh, All right, so, yeah. I mean, Xander is the total heart play for me. I'm just – I'm hoping and praying and wishing. and that, That's – this is the definition of a heart play. Uh, dart, is there – are there rules for a dart? Darts like uh, you got one bullet in the chamber and you're firing it uh, on that that one dollar chip you found in the in the in the nightstand when you wake up to go home on Sunday morning from the casino. Where's the dart oh. at? Oh well, then it's got to be on Brooks. I think Brooks is I think Brooks is probably going to win. If I wife on the line, I had to pick the winner. That would be my last dollar. I would probably put it on Brooks, and I'll probably lose, but that's who I would pick. I like Brooksy. Joe, where you at, buddy? Man, the darts, uh, if we're talking darts down the board, kind of thins out for me, man. Um, so I'm going to go dart. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Joaquin Neiman. Heard a lot of, heard a lot of feelings at Memorial. Uh, 7,500. <laughs> I love the price. I'm going Neiman as my dart. Uh, my heart, you know, I got to go with my boy V Hova. Victor Hovland, I'm taking him at 9,200. Uh, I think he's going to make a big, big leap forward in major championships this week. I love him on this golf course. Uh, I, I kind of like the fact that everybody was on him at the PGA. I, I don't feel like that steam's there this week. So, uh, going Victor Hovland, man. Okay. Dart play for me, uh, you know, shooting deep down from way down in three-point land. That's going <laughs> to shock the nation. Justin Rose, 8K. Um, I mean, I, I feel like he's not going to be highly owned because, uh, Paul Casey's going to be around him. Number one, uh, number two, uh, his game's just gone. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, so he's surrounded by Oost Hazen and Paul Casey, who is ownership, their ownership, uh, hoarders, you know, uh, in, in, in major championship pass. So that's why I like, uh, Justin Rose. Uh, if I'm going straight from the heart guys, I mean, come on. I know that I said I was not going to play a guy till we got down to Colin Morikawa. And I know there's a lot of talent. A lot of bullets has been said right above him, right? But the guy's played in 49 PGA events. He's got 16 top tens and four victories. I mean, we can make it, we can make a statement that he's a stud. He's one of the – he's the – we know he's one of the premier future players of the tour. Uh, I, 
He's just not to be something to be joking around with with Colin Morikawa. Guy's got serious game. Maybe the length's a little bit of an issue, but golly, he just won at Harden Park, which is 7,600 yards. So, uh, if he can putt it all, I think it's a similar storyline with John Rahm, honestly, with the, with the course set up with Memorial. So, that's it. Colin Morikawa, Justin Rose for me. You got Brooksy and uh, the Xander Shafel Lee for yeah. uh, Nagels. Joe's throwing out. Who'd you throw out again, Joe? I got Wilco, Guido, and Higo, and Lanto. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Nagels, thank you so much for coming on. I know we was, we was trying to get you on the Masters, and I, I, my work schedule messed that up. So, we'll hope to have you on again in the future. Uh, I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you very much, Joe. It's great to talk to you. Andrew, great to talk too, to you. Man. Yeah. And thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. Have a great week, man. Yeah, yeah you too. A- Good luck. Have a great week traveling. Be safe. Have a good time. Don't drink too many Pacificos and eat too much Mexican food, buddy. And uh, if you get on that hang glider, watch out for the rattlesnakes. We saw a couple out there. So, man, uh, been great. Thank you, Rotoballer.com, for everything you do. And this is the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast. That was my first big mistake. I've already hit three in the lake. It's gone.